Uh, we're aware of the fact that we can go through a morning like this and not focus on you. And we, we just don't want to let that happen. So if we haven't already, uh, or if we have, we'd like to again just focus our attention on you, Lord. And pray that your presence would settle on us. We want to say to you today, Lord, that we love you. We come from so many different directions, so many experiences this week. Whatever we carry, Lord, we uh, give that to you this morning and don't want to carry what we weren't intended to carry. So we love you today, Lord. And I invite you, Lord, to speak to every person today, words that they can understand, pictures, ideas, illuminate, illuminate our minds today, Lord, and uh, lift us up. We'll be faithful to give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated where you are. Well, if you brought your Bible, turn to Philippians chapter 4. If you didn't, there's a Bible underneath the rack there, underneath your seat, I should say, in the rack, on page 1181. So I think you see before, before you a picture of uh, Cliff and Brenda Potts. Talked about Cliff two or three times lately. Uh, Cliff was a quadriplegic from the time he was 15 years old. Uh, lived to be 78. I didn't realize he was that old when he went to be with the Lord. But you can see his wheelchair there, and the, on his left is a thing that held his arm up. And he did remarkable things for a guy that uh, was a quadriplegic. And you notice he's got a smile on his face. I was with him in the hospital numbers of times over the years, and <coughs> gosh, he'd be... You just think, how does this guy keep going? But he, he was always fighting and coming back. Wrote a book. He, uh, he had a bed that he slept on. This is one of the most interesting things about Cliff is he had a bed that he slept on, and it was a rocking bed because he couldn't breathe on his own. So this bed would rock at night, and it would move his diaphragm up and down so that he could, so that he could breathe. And uh, Brenda actually slept on that bed with him for a number of, of years. And uh, not only is he a hero, but she's, she's a hero as well. He had uh, four children, master's degree in counseling, and uh, spent lots of time with people. But one of the great things was he was, a, he was a painter. So he'd get his arm, get his left arm up in that sling thing and move it, move it around with his tongue. And he could barely move this hand to move the brush just a little bit. But most of it was just with his tongue moving that thing back and forth. And I, I brought a couple of pictures to show you this morning because I think it's just so cool. This is a, a manger scene that he sketched. And it's my favorite. We have it hanging, hanging at home. And it's just so simple. The simple nativity scene there with baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary and a, and a donkey. And, uh, and then I have, I think Bill actually, Bill actually paid for this for me. This is one of my favorites that he ever did. It's two boats. Now imagine a quadriplegic 
painting that. Can you imagine that? I mean, I couldn't paint that if I spent the rest of my life working at it. So the reason I mentioned Cliff again this morning is because of the consistency of his life. His life literally depended upon Brenda. Sometimes his, his lungs would get full of stuff and his throat would get full of stuff and she'd have to aspirate him, and stick something in there and suck the liquid out. Can you imagine sitting in a chair unable to move and you're, you're fighting for your breath and you're literally dependent upon that other person for your life? That's, that's amazing to me. And yet his life was consistent. He wasn't giddy all the time, but he was consistently full of joy and confidence. So I want to look at a passage this morning that's about that. It's one that undoubtedly, if you're familiar with the New Testament at all, you would recognize. Uh, I think my favorite New Testament book is Philippians. It's Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I always say, notice the, notice the word always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So always and all. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So I'm going I'm to use three phrases this morning that are the three major points. And I think, I think it might shock you the first time I s say the first one, then you'll, you'll catch on to what the other ones are, is that joy is the norm. Now think about that. Joy is the norm. He said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So the second phrase where you can fill in the blank there is you can be joyful irrespective of circumstances. Now the remarkable thing about these verses is that they were written while the Apostle Paul was chained to a soldier in prison. He knows that he will give his life for the Lord, very likely. He knows that James already has, Stephen already has, Peter already has. And so his circumstances are as challenging as any circumstance you're going to face. He's going to die for his faith. And he's in miserable circumstances. And yet he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Now joy is kind of on a spectrum. I've, I've said before about my emotions, my joy is more internal than external. I'll, when Ginger's laughing on the outside, I'm smiling on the inside. So I don't know what your emotional temperament is. Some people are very ebullient, you know, outgoing and take everything external. Uh, I do have fun. While Jared was in Africa, I went in his office and I, I put a, his office is right next to the the uh, pantry so I got a pair of shoes donated shoes and I put them in front of his chair 
pair of pants and put them on his chair, a shirt, put it on his chair, a hat, put it on the back of his chair. And Allie and I got a pretty pretty good kick out of that because every time we'd walk by his office, it was like, it was like somebody, somebody was sitting in there. So that's, that's my level of joy. Ginger's is the Big Bang Theory. She goes to bed early every night so she can watch the Big Bang, Big Bang Theory. I think it's nuts myself. But I'll be sitting in the living room, and all of a sudden I'll hear this uproarious laughter coming from the bedroom. What do you think I do when that happens? I laugh. Makes me, makes me smile and makes me laugh. So the always part is, is uh, when we say joy is the norm or rejoice in the Lord always, that can be kind of a frustrating thing if you just think of giddiness. But joy isn't just giddiness. We all have tough days. We all get angry. We all get upset. We all get disappointed. But we don't let our emotions determine who we are. You know, I know what it's like to be under pressure, and so do you. I've had several seasons in my life where it was frightening or I was discouraged about something. So have you. I mean, probably this week you had some times when, when you were struggling with some emotion or some circumstance that you were facing in your life. But he says you can rejoice in the Lord irrespective of those things. Now, part of this being a norm is that you become aware. I said to somebody this morning, because they were discouraged about something, I said, I said, well, you can, you can put that behind you now, and you can be, smile at me. He kind of smiled. Sometimes it's challenging to do. But uh, when, you're, when you're discouraged or mad or disappointed or angry about something, pay attention to that. One of, one of my monitors, as silly as this sounds, because, you know, I'll start getting uptight about something. One of my monitors is Jake. Because once in a while in the morning, you know, when I'm getting ready and he knows I'm going to take him for a walk, he, he, he's all over me and pushing and shoving and everything. And all of a sudden, Ginger will hear, Jake! I'll yell at him. When I do that, that's a signal to me. Okay, you need to dial down. You're taking things a little too seriously. This isn't as bad as all that. So you pay attention. So when I was thinking about illustrations, I thought about this little, <coughs> this little uh, controller right here is for the heater in my office. It's always, it's always cold in there when I come in there. And the cool thing about this is you can either cool things down or you can heat things up. Just a little electric heater, but you can cool things down with it. So here's a blue and there's a red. If it's too hot, I just turn the temperature down a little bit. If things are too hot or too cold, then I turn the temperature up a little bit. It's even got a gauge on there. 72, just control it up and down, just, just like that. Hello. Yes, I do have a control in my office. You can uncover your face now. <coughs> Rejoice in the Lord always. Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then notice the verse, and I'm going to use this a couple of times this morning. You will keep in perfect peace him or her whose mind is steadfast 
because he trusts in you. So you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. In other words, your eyes are focused on the Lord. So one of the things I thought about this morning would be like, it'd be like if I'd walk up to you and just grab your face, get right in your face and say, I've got this. Sometimes the Lord needs to do that to us. I know you're uptight. I know you're having a difficult time. I know that things are challenging. But I've got this. You can trust me. So we can live in joy irrespective of our circumstances. Doesn't mean you're giddy all the time, but there can be this sense of confidence and joy in the Lord and well-being. I was thinking last night after uh, the Ducks got beat, I really liked the Ducks, and they were on their way to getting in the national championship group, and they lost. And You know, the Bible says it's good to confess to one another. I said a bad word. And I sat there and thought, you know, I'm so glad my identity doesn't depend on a football game going to be okay. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So notice the quote on your outline there. When our joy, our lightheartedness is challenged, we can stop and change our focus from the circumstance we are facing to the one who holds our life in his hands. One of the verses that I say every morning when I'm walking is, I lift up my eyes to the hills where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Secondly, calm is the norm. Calm is the norm. Don't talk out, don't talk out loud, please, okay? Calm is the norm. And the verse that I put there is, let your gentleness be evident to all. So I use the word calm instead of gentleness. It can be translated several ways. Gentle, kind, mild, pleasant. So you can be gentle whoever you're with. Do you find that challenging? I do. So let's, let's think about the implications of that. Have you ever used the words, you make me? Like, you make me furious. You make me crazy. Bev is nodding her head at you, Grove. <laughs> you ruin my day. I couldn't help myself. Who's in control when we use those phrases? Well, the other person is. Okay, don't talk out loud, please, Ellie. So, you, I couldn't help myself. You ruin my day. You make me furious. You make me crazy. The other person is in control of your life. So I want you to think on a scale from passive to aggressive. Sometimes they go together. So aggressive means that I'm going to control your life. Passive means that I'm allowing you to control my life. You don't want either one of those things. Okay, if you're going to talk out loud, why don't you sit, sit out there so that we can't hear you because it's disturbing everybody, okay? It is, so... Bye-bye. <coughs> Thank you. Thank you, Arnie.
in light of the message, she's not going to ruin my day. I want you to slip out, slip out real quietly, okay? I love this church. Amen. Lord, thanks for your goodness. Thanks for your mercy today. I pray that the peace and the presence of your Holy Spirit would come upon our sister, and uh, thanks for your grace, thanks for your goodness, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Ooh, ooh, I think I ruined her day. Yeah. Okay, where were we? I think we were about, you drive me crazy. <laughs> you make me furious. Is that kind of where I left off, Drew? So, okay. So I think we did pretty good there. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So my mom, you know, you can be passive and be aggressive at the same time. My mom was the champion of guilt and shame. She didn't have the blue ribbon, she had the red ribbon. Her sister, my Aunt Helen, had the blue ribbon, but gosh, they could guilt and shame you like, like nobody else. I was in the lobby last summer, last spring, and there was a woman in the lobby, and she wasn't, you know, she wasn't causing a disturbance or anything, but she was going around to everybody in the lobby campaigning for something that she wanted to have happen in the park. And uh, Deb, she went to you, and she went to several other people, and, and I, I am, I'm such a big chicken. I, I avoid things when I shouldn't. And so for a while, I saw what she was doing, and I, and I just avoided her. But pretty soon, I couldn't avoid her anymore. So I, I, I was thankful to the Lord. I just sat down, and I, and I talked to her for a minute, and I and I. What I was really communicating to her was that, you know, we have our way of doing things and we really don't appreciate you coming and, you know, campaigning for your, your thing here. You can talk to me about that and then I could give you an answer. And so I, re I remained calm and really the bottom line was, I'm not going to let you determine my life. I'm not going to let you determine my emotions. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So we sat down. We actually had a great conversation when I was willing to not avoid things. So do you want to please the Lord or do you want to please other people? That's kind of what it boils down to. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And then notice this phrase, the Lord is near. In other words, change your focus from that person to him and let him determine what your emotion is going to be at that particular time. And then there's this verse pops up again. You will keep me keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast 
because he trusts in you. So I thought about this, turning down the temperature, turning up the temperature of my emotions. I thought about a radio. You know, the radio is too loud, so what do you do? You dial it down. And so the blank there is take control before you lose control. Take control before you lose control. You can be calm. Number three, peace is the norm. Do not be anxious about anything. Say it with me. Do not be anxious about anything. So you can have peace even in uncertain times. And the Apostle Paul in prison is a great, great example of that. Now, you think about our world. We live in a crazy world, don't we? I mean, I, I, I listened to about two minutes of the stuff that's going on with the Senate right now, and I, I just have to, I just turned off. I, I don't even listen to it because if I do, I'm not going to be able to determine truth based on what's going on there. Everybody has a different opinion. The economy at times is scary. When you think about whether you like President Trump or not, you think about sitting in his chair every day and Iran and the Kurds and Syria and North Korea and Russia and the Ukraine and the economy and people who hate you and are trying to remove you from office. I mean, can you imagine living in that world every day? You can have peace even in uncertain times, whether things are going well or they're not going well. So notice this statement, we have very little control over the future. We have a great deal of control about how we respond to that uncertainty. So we like certainty. We like predictability. But life just isn't that way. You just don't know what's coming every week. So I, I thought about our nation. And we're, you know, we respond to things that are around us naturally. But you think about back to, you got the Civil War. You got a depression after the Civil War. You got the First World War. You've got the Roaring Twenties. You've got the Depression. You've got the Second World War. You've got the Korean War. You've got a decade of prosperity. You've got the 60s and 70s where everybody's going crazy and thought our culture was going to fall apart. And then things kind of got restored again. And then we had gas lines. All the gas in the world, we had to sit and wait for, you know, you had to plan when you went to, this, went to the service station. Then during the Reagan years, whether you liked him or not, he restored patriotism and all that. And then, you know, since then. There's always something going on, isn't there? And there's always something going on in our home with our health, our finances, our life, our kids, our grandkids, whatever. There's always uncertainty in our life. And we don't like it. Our lives are very polarized at times. And yet Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So turn to the person next to you, somebody you know, I hope. Just put your hand on their face like this. And say, I got this. I got this. She pinching your face, Drew. 
Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Drew. So trust is a choice that brings joy, gentleness, and peace. It really comes down to trusting Him rather than letting another person determine our emotions, a situation determine our emotions. We trust Him and focus on Him. So close your eyes and bow your heads for just a moment, if you would, please. Lord, uh, again, the, so many different situations in this room, I can't even imagine. I know some situations that people are facing, and it's scary or it's painful. I know uncertainties in some people's lives, Lord, that if we focus on that rather than focusing on you, we can become fearful or angry. Lord, we want our lives to focus on you because we know that we can trust you. We look back on all the uncertainties that we've faced. That's been okay. It's been okay. You've been faithful. So, Lord, we look forward to the future, not with fear, but with a sense of joy and a sense of calm. It's going to be okay, a sense of confidence and peace because we know that our life and our world are in your hands. I just want to encourage you this morning. If you're facing something in your life and you're not unlike any of the rest of us, gosh, your emotions, can, your fears can just get the best of you if you're not careful. And this morning, you're just reminded to get your eyes off of that and focus on Jesus. And you're going to walk through whatever you're walking through with him. He's got it. He's got it. Just give that to him today. If there's anybody here today who would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, put your life in his hands. You've never done that. While everybody else's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed, would you just look up at me? I won't embarrass you. I just want to acknowledge with you. Today's your day to receive Jesus. Just signal me with your hand. Thanks for your goodness, Lord. We love you and give you praise in Jesus' name. Let's stand together and worship us.